Praise the Lord. Shall we open our Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 2? And we'll read the longest letter to the church, which is verses 18 to 29 of chapter 2. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I, have also, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has a ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's take a moment to thank God. Commit this time into his hands. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the words of scripture that we read just now. The letter that you wrote to the church at Thyatira, Lord. And Father God, even as we study your word this day, Lord Father, remind us, Lord Father, of what you approve of us, Lord. Remind us, Lord Father, today of what displeases you in what we are doing, Lord. Father God, give us that heart and that mind to understand the the warnings that you place before us. For God, we do not want to see death as you brought to the church in Thyatira. Father, we want to have the morning star with us. And Father, we pray, Lord, that even as we listen, even as we study your word, where correction is needed, where encouragement is needed, Father, do it in us. We surrender this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, church. 
we continue with our seven part series on the revival in the church and we are using the letters written to the seven churches in revelation as our roadmap hopefully over the last three messages that we have had in this series i hope we have understood what has pleased the lord in each of the churches and therefore in us what has displeased the lord in each of the churches and therefore in us and what were the warnings that he issued out to each of the churches and therefore to every one of us let me emphasize that this is not a lesson in history this is not a history story neither is it about the letters written to churches in some far away land some far away time rather i sincerely hope that we recognize that the commendations or the approvals the commendations the condemnations and the warnings apply to this church today and therefore by extension to every one of us seated here and those of us standing none of us are exempt the passage we just read is a letter addressed to the church in thyatira but written to every other church across the ages and across the globe now if you recollect the letters that were written to the three churches that we saw before this ephesus smyrna and pergamos you will see that the language that jesus christ used was not as harsh as what he used in this church the church at thyatira the warnings are becoming harsher the condemnation is becoming more serious the punishment is death it was simpler it was easier to assimilate what was given to the church at ephesus at smyrna and pergamos but this is tough and therefore there will be certain things that i say this afternoon which will displease you but so be it i'm not here to please you i'm here to only try to explain what is there in verses 18 to 29 of revelation chapter 2 now as always we begin by looking at how jesus christ described himself in his opening statement to this church and why did he describe himself like that now if you look at verse 18 you will say he you will read that he wrote these things says the son of god who was who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass or burnished bronze as it's there in some versions so what are the two descriptors that jesus uses for himself number 1 he says that he is the son of god 
Number two, he says that he has eyes like flames of fire and feet like fine brass. Let's take each one. We'll start with the first, we'll bring in the second a little later as we move along. The first, I am the son of God, describes his authority. He is clearly listing out, he is clearly making it plain that he has all authority over the churches. The second part, the eyes like fire and the feet, fine brass, actually describes his judgeship, his judgments. So there are going to be judgments that are going to be laid out today. And we will have to look into our own lives to find out whether we stand at this door of judgment or not. And that's why I said this is not a lesson in history, but this is something written to us today that we need to apply and see in our own lives. Now to better understand each of these descriptors of Jesus Christ, we need to travel to the city of Thyatira and the church that was there in Thyatira. So let's start with the city of Thyatira. As every other city that we are going to be talking about and that we have spoken about, Thyatira was also a city that, is found, that was found in Asia Minor or in current Turkey. Okay? It is said that of the seven cities that were the recipients of the letters that Jesus Christ wrote or sent through John, Thyatira was the smallest it was the smallest of the cities. It was not a port city. Now generally you would find at that time the port cities were the bigger cities. But the more inland you go, the size of the city actually goes down. Now Thyatira was a pretty small city. It was approximately 35 to 45 kilometers away from Ephesus, no sorry, from Smyrna, from Pergamos, from Sardis and from Philadelphia. Ephesus and Laodicea were a little further away. So it's almost a midpoint city. And this city was actually a military garrison. It was a place where the army used to gather. And if there were requirements in any of the other cities, they would move out from here. So it was a disciplined city, but it was controlled by the army. And in the city of Thyatira, there was a famous Greek temple. And the residing deity in that temple was Apollo. According to Greek mythology, Apollo was the son of the chief god who was Zeus. And Apollo was also referred to as the god of the sun. Okay, it's not the sun god. He was referred to as the God of the Sun, S-U-N. Now, it is to this church that Jesus Christ describes himself as the Son of God. Apollo was the son of the chief Greek God, Zeus. And he was the presiding deity in Thyatira. And so, 
Jesus Christ describes himself as the son of God. This is the only place in the book of Revelation where he calls himself the son of God. Even a very similar verse that's there in chapter 1 of Revelation starts off by describing Jesus as the son of man. But here in his own words, when he talks to the people, he tells them, I am the son of God. What was the implication? The church at Thyatira knew that the Greek gods were not the gods worshipped by the Turks or the Ottoman people. The Greek god, God, was not the god worshipped by people of other regions. Maybe Romans worshipped the Greek gods. They had similarities. So basically the Greek god, whether it was Zeus or Apollo or any of the others, were regional gods. They were small gods. Like I could uh, relate to things in India. Almost every city has a temple at the top of a mountain. Am I right? And it has got a presiding deity. So the city I come from has a presiding deity. That's the location given to that little god. But Jesus Christ was telling this church in Thyatira, remember this church in Thyatira has already heard the word of God. They were either Jews or Gentiles who have heard the word of God. They knew that there was one God of the universe, Yahweh. And Jesus Christ was addressing himself to them as, I am the son of God. In other words, he was telling them, I am above every other God. I am the big God. Why did he have to tell them this? Because like every other church in that region, there was persecution. There were difficulties. There was wrong teaching. And so Jesus had to tell the church, the people of the church, that don't worry, I have authority. And the one who is writing this letter to you has the greatest authority of all. This is what he was telling the church at Thyatira, and this is what he's telling you and me today. I am the Son of God. I have the authority. When I say this, it happens. When I say this, it happens. When I tell the seed, stay calm, it will stay calm. When I tell the devils, get out of this guy, they will obey me. When I say to the blind man, see, he sees. When I say to the lame man, walk, he walks. You see, that was Jesus Christ exercising his authority and making it clear to the church that they need to understand that if you are the church, you are under the highest authority. And therefore you need to take all your principles from that highest authority and nobody else. Why did he say this? Because there are some other things that will happen in a bit. 
Now today we need to ask ourselves, if we have truly accepted him as the son of God, not in words, but in our lives, have we accepted that he is and he has the highest authority? Have we surrendered our, our lives to his kingship? Or is Jesus Christ one among many gods? I can't answer for you. And I don't know what gods you have. We'll come to the second descriptor in a bit. Okay? Now, Thyatira was also famous for a reddish purple dye that was commonly found in that area. Uh, there are different sources for that. And now, many women, along with Lydia, now Lydia of Acts 16, remember Lydia met Paul at the riverbanks of the uh, town of Philippi. She heard Paul preaching. She accepted the Lord, and she and her family were saved. Now, that Lydia was a businesswoman from Thyatira. Now she and a few other women have always been uh, taking their cloth, dyeing it in this uh, purple reddish dye which was very unique to that region, taking it to other places and selling it. And therefore it is even suggested that the founding person of the church in Thyatira was Lydia. Okay, so the founding person now when I'm emphasizing on founding is pretty soon we'll talk about a floundering person also. Okay, so the founding person of the church at Thyatira was possibly Lydia. There is no historic, there's no biblical record of that, but that's a theologian's point of view. Okay. Right, now let's move on a little away from uh, the, the geography of that place and let's move on to the words of commendation or approval that Jesus Christ used for this church at Thyatira. In verse 19 he says, I know your works, love, service, faith and your patience and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Small town, not a very big church, but yet we see that the works in the church in Thyatira kept increasing. They did not slacken with time. Their love for people, their service to people, their patience with people around them kept increasing. Fantastic characteristics. Do we have that? Is our love for people increasing? Is our patience with people increasing? Is our service increasing? That was a commendation given to this church. But we need to be a little careful because there's something else coming beyond this. If you compare this particular statement with verse 4 of chapter 2, which was the statement given to the church at Ephesus, Jesus Christ says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you left your first love. 
So Ephesus also had the first love, but they left it. Thyatira had the first love, they kept it, they let it increase, they didn't let it go. And Jesus Christ commended them for this. He also commended them for their service, their faith and their patience. But when you compare this church with previous churches, you will see that there was one thing they lacked. The church at Thyatira was weak in their doctrine. They did not know the word. They were a loving church, they were a serving church, they were a patient church, but they did not know the word. Their knowledge of scripture was shallow. They paid more attention to the works of love and service, but did not spend adequate time understanding the word of God and the heart of God. For the church at Thyatira, it was this lack of knowledge in the word of God that led to their major problem. The condemnation they had that Jesus Christ spoke against this church was almost exclusively because of this lack of scriptural knowledge. In verses 20 to 23, we read of the condemnation. And the punishment for corruption within the church. Now let's read that. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. So in this church at Thyatira was this woman who called herself a prophetess and Christ named her as Jezebel who was corrupting the church through her false teachings, sexual immorality and idolatry. I know I will offend people. So I told my wife to stay at home. Because I will offend women. The one teaching that we have, I mean, if you have questioned this, is women are not meant to be teachers in the church. Am I right? Here is a woman. The church did not know its scripture. Here is a lady who calls herself a prophetess. I can go out and call myself a prophet. I can go and call myself an evangelist. If I am Donald Trump, I can look to the heavens and say I am the chosen one. That was his statement yesterday. But the Bible is clear. 
as to what our roles are. And here, you have this Jezebel, this lady, this woman called Jezebel. Now, it wasn't her name. Okay, it wasn't her name. You know why I say that? Does anybody here know of a child, a girl child called Jezebel? Have you ever heard it in your family tree somewhere that there was a Jezebel? But we hear of the Jezebel spirit. Okay? Nobody keeps the name, no Christian, no Jew keeps the name Jezebel as the name of their child. So you wouldn't have a woman with that name. But she had that spirit. Okay, and that was the problem. Many of you have seen people with that spirit. Everybody knew. And so I will remind you the story of the original Jezebel, which was found in 1 Kings chapter 16 and 19, and her ending comes in 2 Kings chapter 9 and chapter 10. Don't go into it, but go home and read. It's a fantastic story uh, of, of uh, early uh, history. Now this Jezebel, the original one, the 1 Kings 16 Jezebel, was a non-Jew who married Ahab, who became king of Israel. Now remember, the Israelites were clearly told that they shouldn't marry outside. Now here's the king. And he marries a non-Jew. And as a result of that, what happens? Jezebel influenced Ahab into the worship of Baal. Progressively turned the Israelites into Baal worshippers, idolatrous practitioners, and people with immoral lifestyle. The high standards that were set by Yahweh were diluted, were corrupted, were completely taken away by this one woman who was the queen for the Israelites. Now if you move on to 2 Kings chapter 9 and 10, you will read of the disastrous decimation of Ahab's family. Seventy sons were killed. Jezebel herself had a violent end. She was thrown out from a window. And Jehu trampled upon her. And then the dogs came and ate almost every bone and the flesh that they couldn't even bury her. Okay, that's how bad the word Jezebel is to the church and to Jews. But here is a lady who Jesus Christ calls Jezebel. She has that spirit. She is doing everything that the original Jezebel did. She was bringing in the church of Thyatira everything that was happening then. That was happening in the past. Idolatrous worship, sexual immorality. All of these practices were now taking place once again inside the church. God gave this woman time to repent. But she did not. And as a result of that, God brought deadly pestilence or death on her and all those who followed her teachings. That's what it says in verse 22. And in verse 23, Jesus justifies why that severe punishment was required. 
In verse 23, we read that death was the punishment that was going to be given. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know. This was an example. You play with God, you're going to suffer this. This is what Jesus Christ was telling the church at Thyatira. And this was an example to other churches because the practice was not limited to the church at Thyatira. It was happening elsewhere also. All kinds of false teachings were taking place. And Jesus Christ said, I need to set an example. Remember at the early church, Ananias and Sapphira died because they lied to the Holy Spirit. There was instant punishment. Today, does the church take such discipline? The church in Acts did it. Ananias and Sapphira died. The church in Thyatira did it. Jesus Christ killed the people there. It can happen. If Jesus Christ finds that you and me are doing the wrong stuff in the church, be happy if he just takes you away from here. Because malpractices are not permitted in the church. The church is meant to be the pure bride that Jesus Christ is coming for. Not some corrupt body. Like FIFA or BCCI or whatever. It is meant to be pure in every aspect. Your thinking has got to be pure. Your actions have got to be pure. Your lifestyle has got to be pure. That's what Jesus Christ expects of the church. Who is the church? It's not this building. You and I. So don't look at this building and say, oh, it's a nice church. It's got nothing to do with this building. The church is how you and I live. Are we pure? Are we holy? Are we honest? Are we living with the standards that Jesus Christ has set for us? Because these are the standards that you and I are meant to follow. Not the standards set out there. Which is what we tend to follow. An interesting thing to note at this point, if you compare the Thyatira church with the Pergamos church, is that in the Pergamos church also compromise was taking place. But the compromise was coming from outside, or the compromising sources were from outside. In the Thyatira church, it's from inside. And that's why Jesus Christ was harsh on the church in Thyatira. The problem was not even coming from outside, it was from inside. So you've got to be your brother's keeper, like it or not. If your brother is do or sister, your pastor, your cell leader, your ministry leader, anybody, your neighbor in the church, is doing something that is not right. 
Don't sit back and say none of my business. It is your business. You are your brother's keeper. And you are called to nip out problems right at the beginning itself. This is a warning to all of us. Are we tolerating sin, allowing false teachings to be preached in church? Now there's this great fad and fashion of listening to messages on television. And I have no problems with that. Sometimes if I feel sleep, if I don't get sleep, I go and switch it on. I get sleep immediately. Okay, so, so it's okay, you know, for any reason that you're using it. Please go and critically listen to some of these messages. Mega churches especially. How many of them preach on sin? On repentance? On heaven? On hell? On things which poke you? Which remind you that your lifestyle is not good? How many mega churches actually preach this? They give you messages of encouragement, which is fine. We need it once in a while, but not all the time. We need messages which tell us that we are the sons of uh, the creator of the universe. He owns everything and therefore we own everything and therefore we are prosperous. Fine, that's okay. So I am prosperous in my poverty. But we also need warnings and corrections because if you turn to first to Second Timothy, chapter three, verse sixteen, what does it say about Scripture? It says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Doctrine, the scripture is meant for correction, for reproof, not for giving me a pat on my back and telling me I'm fine. That is deception. So if I come and tell you that all of you are doing well, you are all blessed. I am deceiving you. Because some of us need correction, me included. And when I was writing this, I said, do I have the authority to go, even go and preach this? Because some of the things there speak to me, and I said, I better change. Do I really have the authority to go and tell 150 people that they need to change, when probably this whole thing is only for me? But I know it's not only for me. Yes, it is for me, but it's also for some of you, many of you. Okay, the word of God is for reproof, for correction. Don't compromise and corrupt the word of God. Please take the word of God in its entirety. Brother Franklin was just telling us that this is the roadmap. Please read it. 
This is the road map that we need to complete in our lifetime. Now, how many of us here are engineers? One, two, three. I know, I call engineers because that's probably the biggest group. Please raise your hand high unless you have doubts about your certification. Okay. To become an engineer, four years of study, five years of study, maybe post-graduation, PhD, whatever, seven years, eight years, you used multiple books. You did not sit in front of the teacher in class just like that and listen to what he said once and then went and became an engineer. You read and reread and reread and failed and resat. Before you became an engineer. God has given us one book. Read it. This is the roadmap for life. Read it, please. There are a lot of things that are happening in churches today, which at least in this part of the world we can address. If I was in the Western world, I probably would not be able to address it. And you know what I'm talking about. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. And all that goes along with it. You know, LGBTI. No. It took me some time to find out what the I was. It happens we intersex. Okay. I don't know what else they are going to add to it. It seems like some qualification or degree that everybody is getting now. Or behind your name you write LGBTI. This is now becoming mainstream in the church. Read Romans 1 and it will tell you what God says about homosexuality. If you're going to practice homosexuality in church, if it's going to be an accepted lifestyle and we're going to accept it, please take the Bible and tear out Romans chapter 1. We can't have Romans chapter 1 in the Bible say that we follow this book and allow homosexuality. Does the church address this? Where are marriages going today? I was filling up a form the other day to apply for a visa and asks, who else is accompanying you? And below that it says, name of your partner. I said, hello, when does this change into partner? Can I please put name of my wife? No, name of partner. Because wife is not politically correct now. Husband is not politically correct. You have to have a partner, not a wife or a husband. See, this is the way the world is going. Youngsters, please be careful. Your language is going to be this. This is what you're going to be reading everywhere when you fill up forms. Who is your partner? Is the name of your house, is, is, the, is your house in your name and your partner's name? Or in your, in the old it used to be husband and wife. Now it is somebody and partner. Okay, previously in gender column used to be gender, male, female. Now it is male, female, other. 
Okay? But we are allowing all of this in the churches today. When clearly the word of God tells us that it shouldn't be so. And why is this happening? Because people don't know the word of God. They haven't gone into the word of God. So all kinds of perversions are taking place. All kinds of corruption is taking place in the church. And that's what happened in Thyatira. Because somebody came in and preached all kinds of things. Why? Because the church at Thyatira was not strong in the word. We know what happens to the Bereans. Paul preached. The Bereans never accepted what he said till they went and searched the scriptures and found whether it was so. They studied the word of God. You and I are called to study the word of God. That's what was the failing. That was the condemnation to the church at Thyatira. God's judgment seen in verses 23, 22 and 23 may look severe. But that is simply the manifestation of the second description of Jesus Christ given in verse 18. These things says the Son of God who has the eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. God sees everything. He searches the heart and the mind. He's able to penetrate right through you. I don't know what you are thinking right now. You may even be thinking, can the clock go faster please? I don't know. God knows. God sees what's in your mind, what's in my mind, what's in your heart, what's in my hand. We are experts at putting on masks. The one industry that is prominent in any country of the world, Hollywood, Bollywood, Mollywood, Nollywood, anything, is acting. So we are all expert actors. We put on masks. God sees beyond all of that. God has piercing eyes. And it's from that that judgment is going to come. And remember, the Jezebel of the Old Testament, when she was thrown out of the window, Jehu stepped on her. And what does the judgment say here? Jesus Christ has got feet like fine brass, or in some versions it says burnished bronze. Centuries passed, the metal that was used to break rock was bronze and brass. So anything can be crushed by bronze or brass. And so when Jesus Christ was saying that I have feet of brass, he was telling them, I can crush any opposition that comes my way. Jezebel, I will crush her. And Jesus Christ is telling us the same today. That's judgment. Okay, judgment is where Jesus Christ is going to come and break everything like pottery into small pieces. An interesting thing that we find in verse 23, I've got a few minutes, is this, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. 
Remember this, God is a perfect judge. He is perfect in his judgment. In scripture, salvation is always according to faith. Judgment is always according to works. Your salvation is not by works. Your salvation is by faith. Judgment is by works. Turn with me quickly to Romans chapter 2. We'll read verses 5 to 9. Romans 2, 5 to 9. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against you yourself for the day of God's wrath. I'm reading it from the New, uh, the, the new International Version. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Where do you and I stand today? Where does this church stand today? What does God see when he looks at us? 1 Peter verse 4, 17 says this, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. We are not exempt. Now to end, the good news. Not everyone in the church at Thyatira was following the corrupt ways of Jezebel or the deep things of Satan or the depths of Satan. There were those who were resisting. Like there are those here who are resisting the evil that the world has to offer. Some of them were holding fast to their faith. They were trusting God. God, I'm not looking at what the world is doing. I'm just trusting in you for, my, for myself, for my future. Jesus Christ addressed them and told them to hold fast. Stick it out. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't compromise. Don't let the corrupt rule over you. Just hold fast for I am coming soon. This is what Jesus Christ said. He said that they would not taste. Those who hold fast would not taste the fruit of corruption. What was the fruit of corruption? Death. Verse 22 and verse 23. Those who continue to be with Jezebel without repenting, deathbed for them. Okay, they would face death. But here he says, you would not face that death, that corruption. Just hold fast. Don't give in to Jezebel and her ways. And then, when he comes, he gives the second of his gifts. Uh, he, he gives two gifts. Let, let's go for each one. The first gift is you will be overcomers 
That's what it says in Revelation chapter 2 verse uh, 26. I will give power over the nations. You will be a co-ruler with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? You are a co-heir. You are the son of the father. You will be a co-ruler with Jesus Christ. I will give you the nations. What David said in Psalm 2 is being cloned over here. That's his first reward. God the Father had promised the nations to Jesus Christ. Remember what the devil said? If you could just bow down and worship me, I will give you all the nations. Who was he to give the nations? Did he have one nation in his hand? He didn't. And yet he tried it out. But God the Father has already told Jesus, these nations are yours. And Jesus Christ is now telling us in the church at Thyatira, to those of you who are overcomers, I give you the nation. I give you the nations. That's what Jesus Christ said. Are people riding roughshod over you? Are people mocking you and laughing at you? Don't bother. Just hold fast. Because you will rule. You will rule in every situation. All you need to do is you need to hold fast. Okay. Trust God because there is no other way. And then the second reward he promised us was you will get the morning star. In Revelation chapter 22 verse 16, Jesus Christ says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Jesus Christ is the morning star. The devil has often been represented as the bright star. Remember, the devil is a counterfeiter. He doesn't do things again opposite Christ. He does things very similar to Christ. That's what is a counterfeit. If you have a counterfeit currency with you, it will not look very different from an original currency note, unless you are an expert in identifying it. It will look very close. If it looks very different, you will obviously know that this is uh, something else. Okay, but a counterfeit looks very close to the original. And that's why the devil has a description as a bright star. But Jesus Christ himself has stated that he is the morning star. And he says, I will give him the morning star. In other words, you and I as overcomers will be so closely aligned with Christ that literally we will have him with us. When we are ruling with him, he will be with us. You cannot be separated. Your alignment with Christ will be so close. This is what Jesus Christ was also telling us in the Gospel of John when he said, Abide in me and I in you. You in me and I in you, together. That's what Jesus Christ wants from every one of us. Not to live parallel lives. Not to live lives and say, God, yes, I worship you, I respect you, I honor you, I do everything, I love you. But I'm living my life. 
You live your life. No. Jesus Christ wants to be so aligned with us. And that's why when Jesus Christ comes for his bride, the church, which is us, it is referred to as marriage. Because in marriage what happens? The man and the woman cleave to each other. They are so close to each other. Jesus Christ and the church will be so close to each other. That's what is expected of you and me. And that is what we have been promised if we choose to be overcomers. What is my final word? Hold fast to Christ. Let Christ be your guiding star. And let Christ's words be the commands that you will follow. Meditate deeply and sincerely on the word of God. For it is only with the wisdom that God gives, the strength that God gives, the favor that God gives, and your response in obedience, that you and I can be overcomers. There is no other way. He who has a ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Please stand to your feet. Please close our eyes for a moment. Close our eyes. Recollect everything what you have heard for the past one hours. We are the church. God's chosen church. Every one of us who is here, the part of the church, the Spirit of God spoken to us. Who we are. What we are. How we are. If God has spoken to you, The concluding word comes to us that we are the overcomers. Who are the overcomers? The one who are ruled by our Lord, the Son of God. Who know the Son of God. Is there anyone in this church, in this assembly, those who do not know the Son of God, those who do not accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior, please raise up your hands. If every, every eye is closed, please put our hands. Here we are going to pray for you so that you will know the Son of God in your life, the Savior. Unless you allow him or accept him as a rule to rule over your life, you cannot be called to be ruled over or an overcomer. Can I see your hands? As your eyes continue to close, 
Dear children of God, God is speaking to us. God has spoken to each and every one of us. If you believe, say Amen to us. How do we live? Do we know really as we started with the church God has blessed us. Why I say this? We are privileged to hear such a sound doctrinal teaching from the word pure word of God. As we know from many churches, really from my heart, I say, I am not having much of the knowledge about other things, about what is happening around the world, whatever the terminologies which is mentioned. But at the same time, it brought me to awareness, cautioned, so that I should have the knowledge so that I can teach the right doctrine and sound doctrine to the flock what God has given to us. So let us thank God for God has spoken to us. Let us thank God for the Spirit of God who used our pastor. Let us commit ourselves if we are still live in sinful nature. If you are still not reading the word diligently, if you are still not aware of false doctrine which is going around the world, now it's a time. It is a warning. It's a precaution. It's a time of repentance. It is a time of confession before God. Please, take this time moment and pray within you. Say to the Lord, what kind of love you are living. Ask God to open your spiritual eyes to know the truth. Open your eyes and also to go the deep down into God's word so that we will become strong. Because the word says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God has called each and every one of us to be overcomers of this world. The world is full of corruption, full of temptation. Every corner, every you look around, the temptations are there. Let us not yield by the temptation of this world. Let us yield by the Spirit of God. And control by the Spirit of God. And live a life which will please Him. And wait for the bride to come to take us. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again we thank you. Our heart rejoices as you are continually speaking to us, 
especially warning us in the last days in this corruptible world lord we thank you for your teachings thank you for the pastor thank you for the word that you put in his heart lord to teach us to build us to make us strong lord to live in your word of oh father and prepare ourselves lord for the coming of your days yes dear father help us to be the overcomers in this world of oh father overcome every temptation and also encouraged by your word and edified by your word and corrected by your word lord help us to abide in your word and live by your word alone of oh father so that we will also lead others to your word of oh father lord help us to know jesus christ is the son of god accept him as a son of god and as our savior of our sinful nature of oh father we thank you we thank you oh father lord none of us are here going to leave this place as we are enter we will remember and carry this word along with us and we will go and meditate this word and edify by this word i know the deep and the depth of the truth of oh father in our life we thank you once again we surrender each and every one of us before you spirit of god continue to cover us and care for us in jesus precious name we pray amen let us share the grace together may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forevermore amen surely god's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life we shall dwell in the house of the lord forever and ever amen